Ferris Bueller, you're my hero. Welcome to Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantine Enema, the only podcast where we don't know how to say the name of the show. My name is Connor Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we are continuing our 80s teen movie mini, not well, not a marathon, just really two episodes in a row we're doing this. Uh, today we're talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, a true classic, uh, one of... I think this is, as far as, like, that whole, like, 80s, like, teen movie, like, which is, you know, its own genre, like the John Hughes era, I think this is my personal favorite of that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, look at, like, 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, uh, Weird Science, most of those are just John Hughes movies, but, I mean, there's, it, it, it really did define an era uh, in you know, just that whole era, you know, in a way that, I mean, every era, it seems like, you know, they have, like, their, like, teenage stuff, like, you know, like, we like we all know what 80s movies look like, uh, you know, the, you know, the, that, just that kind. Uh, 90s, a little different, uh, you know, think uh, movies like Days Confused, you get, you I mean, moving to TV a little more, uh, you know, Boy Meets World, and... I mean, I, I mean, there's sh- shows are endless. They're, you know, teenage movies have always been around, but I think this one is just so, it's just so good and wholesome, and it, it ages really well. Uh, I think the movie is honestly like as enjoyable today as it was, you know, in 1986 when it came out. I mean, I wasn't around, <laughs> uh, obviously, but I mean, like, it, this is a movie that if they go out and do this kind of st- like if they were to remake this movie with maybe not 2020 but t- like a 2019 version uh like if they were to remake this movie uh for the 21st century like almost and with just like slight variances of like what's going on you know instead of that i mean honestly like you could you really could do all the same exact shit you can go to a cubs game and go to the sears tower uh, you know, you can go eat at a fancy restaurant even though you're not supposed to. Cutting classes a little harder, yeah. Um, definitely easier to get noticed. That's, like, one of the funny things about this movie to me is that, like, he just never... He does, like, all the stuff, and then, like, he's, like, the face of a giant parade-slash-dance party uh, going on in Chicago. And, like, there's no pictures of him. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't, well, I guess, I guess we never find out what happens, you know. Uh, you know, what if it, something comes out in the Chicago Tribune the next day. Uh, but, no, I just thought, I just, like, that would be the biggest thing. Like, if you were to make this movie today, he could have never, you know, Ferris can't get away with it because people would be posting uh, stuff on social media. Uh, but, no, this is just a perfect movie, not, uh, not a perfect movie, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use that word, um, but it is a classic, uh, the casting is phenomenal, the, uh, I mean, the writing, the directing, like, it's just fun, like, who, who hates Ferris Bueller's Day Off, honestly, it's one of, it's, it's gotta be one of the most universally liked movies of all time, it's, I mean, I know, you know, old, you know, parents like this movie, little kids like this movie, I, I saw this movie for the first time when I was, like, eight or nine maybe and I mean like and I and I loved it then and I I love it now it's it's just like and it's not even like a nostalgia thing it's like one of those things like it's so innocent and fun that you know on you know like like when you're a kid and you're watching this movie yeah it's a little 
it's just really easy to watch when you're a kid and enjoy and you know you can you like you get the idea of everything that you're watching but then like as you get older you like actually start to like understand the jokes a little more because uh you know some of the jokes you know are a little more highbrow than others uh but no it's everyone can like this movie uh, i think matthew broderick's performance in this movie is just absolutely sensational um uh, i would have you know i'm not even going to do the oscar thing because if i look it up i'm not going to know you know, I'm not going to be able. To, I'm not going to know any of these movies from 1986. Uh, that being said, uh, just a, you know, a career performance from him. Uh, one of the most iconic characters I think in film history. Not you know, not just comedies or dramas, but you know, or, or the 80s or uh, or teen movies, like whatever you want to call it. Just in broad film history, I think Ferris Bueller's got to be a top 20 character of all time, maybe. 2025, I think that's fair. I don't think he's, you know, he's not in my top five, top ten, but 20 to 25, I think he's got to be in there. But no, I think, I mean, Matthew Broderick knocks it out of the park. Um, it, he's had such a funny career because, like, he, so like, he comes on in the 80s, he's doing this. I know he's done a bunch of Broadway stuff in the meantime, but, you know, it's still. Like he had a good, like he had a good run through the '80s and '90s, and then you know, 2000s come around. He doesn't really. It's not that he just like stopped because like he's still in things, but he's not, you know, he's not a leading guy anymore. It's like no one, very few people will go to a movie, you know, just to see Matthew Broderick. I think he's been used much more in a supporting role uh, recently. Uh, you know, he's in, uh, like, one one movie that comes to mind, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, you know, he's just, just, he's playing, like, the, like, the new, wife's new boyfriend or something like that, or, I don't, I don't know, he's, but he's, just, like, he's not, like, a central character in the film, it's just a supporting role, you know, he's, he's popped up on BoJack Horseman, one of, uh, you know, the best animated shows of all time, he's done some voice work there, um, and I mean, it's actually really good because if you if you've ever watched uh, BoJack Horseman, you know the show gets a little heavy sometimes, and he plays uh, you know a character who uh, kind of serves as a source of trauma for the main character. Uh, but no, I mean, I just oh, oh, quick note about Matthew Broderick. So I I'm not sure if he just turned it down or was considered for it or what, but uh, if. I think he turned it down. Matthew Broderick turned down the role of Walter White on Breaking Bad. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, this guy... Walter White's one of the greatest characters, if not the greatest character in television history. One of the best written shows of all time. Uh, you know, Brian Cranston knocks it out of the park. I, obviously, I have no idea if... You, you, I mean, well, you don't get that if you have Matthew Broderick. Uh, but the writing was so good that, you know, I think he could, I think he probably would have done a good job. It's tough to see him being, like, you know, a tough guy. Brian Cranston's at least got that, like, you know, the voice for it. Uh, and, you know, when he shaves his head and he's got, you know, the goatee and everything. And, you know, he's full Heisenberg. Like, yeah, like, he's a total fucking, you know, scary guy on that movie. But I can't picture Matthew Broderick <laughs> ever, ever doing that. I don't know. Okay, I... Uh, I don't know if he was just considered for it or offered it or turned it down or what, but like Matthew Broderick was very close to becoming Walter White. 
uh, in Breaking Bad, which is just absolutely hysterical to me. He would have done the nerd thing well. Um, I think he, I, <laughs> I do think he would have played a good uh, high school chemistry teacher, but uh, maybe not a drug kingpin. Maybe just, I don't know, just my thoughts. Um, the rest of the cast of the movie, Alan Ruck, Mia Sarah, uh, Jeffrey Jones, Jennifer Gray, Cindy Pickett, Lyman Ward, Elle McC- uh, McClurg, and Charlie Sheen, and Ben Stein. Uh, but so a couple guys I want to talk about real quick. Uh, Alan Ruck, one of those guys that uh, he's in... I forget the, the exact name of what we call this, but uh, he's kind of like the guy who plays Cheddar Bob <laughs> uh, from 8 Mile. Just, like, whenever you see him in a movie, you know, you don't go, hey, that's Alan Ruck. And he goes, there's Cameron. <laughs> Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Uh, great performance from him. Uh, he's... He's just, like, we all, like, have that friend who's, like, got to stick, you know, how to stick up their butt or something, and, uh, you know, it just needs someone else to like, kind of, like, pull it out of him. I think him and Ferris... Uh, you know, the uh, Cameron and Ferris dynamic in this movie is just so good and strong. Like you know, Ferris, he's gonna do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it, and Cameron's gonna you know he's uh, held back. He's a little more reserved, and they, it's this whole like yin and yang thing. Uh, but Ferris is always gonna get him to go along because he's such a good talker, and Cameron's just such a sucker for it, I guess. But um, no, I, lo- I love his performance in this movie. Don't know why he's wearing a Red Wings jersey, though, because I know John Hughes is a big Chicago guy, and, you know, obviously the movie takes place in Chicago. But nonetheless, Mia Sarah also puts on a strong performance in this movie. Uh, Sloan Peterson, very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, I was, uh, you know, li- little little boy Connor was, uh, you know, had a crush on Sloan Peterson. Uh, but what, did she ever do anything? She's in a movie called Time Cop. I'm sure she did something, but she hasn't she hasn't popped up in anything since 2013. Uh, and Alan Ruck, the guy who plays Cameron, who I just mentioned, uh, I've seen him in a couple of different things. Nothing too crazy. I think I, he's on Succession now. I think, which I admit I haven't watched, but maybe that's got to be on my to do list for next shows. Uh, maybe I'll do that after the Americans. I'm really into that one right now. Uh, I know he he played like no, was he on? I was, I was going to say he's on the West Wing, but I'm thinking of um, the dude from Animal House instead. Anyway, he's out, you know he's popped up in a bunch of stuff over the years. Uh, he's more of a character actor now, but I, I, this is the movie that he's always going to be known for, and that's completely fine. Uh, Jeffrey Jones uh, plays Ed Rooney, the principal who's trying to you know hunt down Ferris and things like that. And this guy had... He, his life didn't turn out so great. Um, so okay, so this is coming. This is from his IMDb trivia page. Jeffrey Jones, the guy. Uh, in November 2002, after having been accused of hiring a 14-year-old boy to pose for sexually explicit photographs, Jones was charged with one felony count of employing a minor for purposes of taking sexually explicit photos and a misdemeanor count for possessing child pornography and released on $20,000 bail. In July 2003, after pleading no contest to the felony charge, he was placed on a sex offender register, given five years probation in order to undergo counseling. The misdemeanor charge was of possession or control of child pornography was dropped. So, bad guy. <laughs> Hate to see that. Um, just, uh, you know, don't do that. I don't follow Ed Rooney's footsteps. Uh, but, no, he's... I mean, that, all that being said, he's a per- he's the perfect movie villain uh, in this movie. You know, he's just so... 
he's just got one of those faces that you want to just fucking bash in, and he's got the perfect voice for it, too. Uh, and it turns out that, you know, it's it's all based in truth somewhere, because it turns out the guy's a total fucking scumbag. Uh, moving on, uh, Jennifer Grey is obviously in it. Uh, I think... I mean, I've always liked Jennifer Grey. I think most of the movies she pops up in is cool. I remember at the beginning of quarantine, uh, Brenna was trying to get us to... Like, she really wanted to learn how to do a dance. And she wanted us to do the, uh, you know, the dance from Dirty Dancing with the move and everything. Uh, I I passed. I said no. So, uh, rest of the cast, parents, well cast, uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, pretty funny in this movie. Uh, I just think it's more so. It's more fun, like funny that he's like in it because like I I always forget that Charlie Sheen is in this movie, uh, and then whenever I'm watching it, you know he you know pops in near the end and he's a druggie who gives good life advice. So funny but memorable. Um, I think. I mean, so like this movie to me, like is just so. It's often not parodied, but like a lot of people have, you know, tried their own crack at Ferris Bueller. Uh, one movie that comes to mind uh, that we've actually done an episode on, so you can go listen to this episode now. Uh, Charlie Bartlett. Uh, I thought that not a Ferris Bueller knockoff, but you know, it was cl- uh, clearly an attempt uh, to kind of, you know, the character of Charlie Bartlett is clearly an attempt to kind of mimic uh, that of Ferris Bueller and just the energy and stuff like that. But it was it's a lightning in a bottle roll. Uh, everything from you know the leopard, the leopard skin vest uh, to the jacket to you know it, he's just so, like he's just so talented in this movie. And this, uh, they you can clearly tell that like they're having fun on set. Uh, th- this movie must have been a fucking blast to make, uh, and it's just so well written. Matthew Broderick's like this perfect combination of like charming, funny, cool. Uh, just I, I don't know. He's just so like it, it's the role he's born to play. Uh, and the fact that, you know, this kid's always the smartest guy in the room. Everything just wor- seems to work out for him. Uh, you know, he's a guy that everybody wants to be. So Ferris Bueller, again, just an all-time great movie character. And I love the movie, too. Uh, John Hughes, he's, yeah, you know, R.I.P. I didn't realize it was 2009 when he passed away. I thought it was way more recently than that. Uh, but just looking at his filmography, filmography here, I mean, either as a director or a writer. I mean, as a director, he did... This is this is one hell of a role. Uh, starting in 1984, he does 16 Candles. The following year, he has The Breakfast Club and Weird Science. Uh, 86, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 87, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So, uh, 88, she has She's Having a Baby, which I've never heard of that one, I admit. Uh, and then 89, Uncle Buck. So, just a legendary run of movies. Like, the guy had his you know footprint all over the 80s, uh, and... You know, anytime you get a director who can, like, put a stamp on something, like, a, like a, a certain genre, or just, like, finding... what well, This guy this guy just found a voice of, you know, for, you know, young people during that time. He just got it. Like, something in the way he wrote, uh, the way, you know, he captured, you know, what being a kid was like in high school in the 80s and stuff like that. He just... It just worked. No, no, no one did it better than him. Um... No, just, just, I mean, he's an absolute filmmaking legend. Uh, I wish uh, he got a little more... Uh, I mean, he stopped... His last movie was a movie called Curly Sue. came out in 91. But he kept writing after that. Uh, and he wrote all the movies that he directed. But, like, after... 
you know, during this during that time, he was uh, you know he's a writer on Christmas Vacation, uh, he's a writer on Home Alone, uh, Beethoven, Home Alone Two, uh, Dennis the Menace, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, Baby's Day, One Hundred One Dalmatians, Flubber, another Home Alone movie. Uh, Drill it, Taylor. Uh, I mean, the guy's dude's a legend. He's an absolute, you know, legend. I mean, I think it's, I think it stinks that he stopped making movies when he did, and or directing movies when he did, and he uh, was pretty much just a writer after that. I know he get a lot of his writing credits are based on characters that he created, uh, whether it be for, um, you know, the Vacation franchise, which I forgot to mention that he also wrote. He wrote uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. We've talked about National Lampoon on here before. Um, yeah, he. I mean, dude's an absolute legend. And then he just kind of... You know, like, he kept writing until... His last, uh, like, writing writing credit is in 2001. He did a movie called Just Visiting. And then he did the story for Drillbit Taylor, which came out in 2008, that Owen Wilson movie where he's like a professional hall monitor or something like that um and then everything all of his other credits you know home loan or beethoven spinoffs and they're basically just you know the characters are uh based on his story so they're credits but not you know written by him but just a an absolute legend in, in the game i wish he kept making stuff oh that's why john hughes is from lansing michigan which is right near east lansing michigan home of michigan state university go green uh, damn, I didn't know he's from Lansing, but I guess that explains the Red Wings jersey. Uh, okay, so why don't we get into the did you knows here? Um, got three for you. First one, uh, the script of Ferris Bueller's Day Off took only six days to write. I am so goddamn jealous of that. That is an absolutely amazing number. You know, a good script could take months, if not years, to write and development and all this crap. And this dude writes fucking Ferris Bueller in less than a week. That is not fair. <laughs> Just, uh, it's a genius script. Uh, you know, like I said, filled with great characters throughout. I bet there was a lot of improvisation uh, in the movie, and I think, you know, just a lot of, like, the cutaway gags that they do, like when Ferris is playing the flute and shit like that, or playing on the piano, uh, just, I mean, you never know who is just having fun uh, on set, and what made it into the movie, what didn't, uh, but either way, that's, I just thought that's fucking insane, uh, they, he did this in six, it's six fucking days. Uh, second, did you know, to produce the desired drugged-out effect for his role as the drug addict in the police station... Charlie Sheen stayed awake more than 48 hours straight before the scene was shot. That's really cool, um, just because I think it, well, obviously it worked. Like, the dude looks out of his mind on that scene, and it's just the power of staying awake, I guess. You know, he's got the, you know, he's got the dead eyes, the dry voice, the, I mean, I'm just more impressed that he was able to, you know, remember his lines uh, after all that, but... Uh, probably not the first time Charlie Sheen's been awake uh, for more than 48 hours straight. Seems like he's had a bender or two in his uh, in his day. Uh, third and final, did you know, uh, in this film, Ferris and Cameron are supposed to be 18 years old and Sloan 17. In reality, Matthew Broderick was 23, Alan Ruck was 29, and Mia Sara was 18. Uh, so the... <laughs> what is it like when you're 29 years old and like your agent comes to you with a script... You're just like, you're going to play a senior in high school. Because, I mean, he, like, he looks older 
in this movie too. Like he doesn't he doesn't look like a kid. He's very obviously twenty nine. Uh, but that but I mean just moving forward after that it's tough because. You know, a lot of people think you're like this teenager and, you know, you want to be like you know, up and coming, moving on to the next thing in your career. But, you know, by the time the movie comes out, you're 30 and you probably want to be playing some more mature roles by that point. But I mean, it, and it just doesn't work because everyone thinks you're a kid. Bummer. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he's <laughs> I'm sure the royalties that Alan Ruck's gotten for this uh, roles uh, are, you know, suit him just fine. Um Guys, I don't know. I don't really have too much more to say. I might just actually cut this one short. You know what? Yeah, I'm going for it. I'm going to do it. Sports are back. Wear your masks. Uh, but the Red Sox stink, so uh, that's all I have to say about things going on in, in the world right now. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it, guys. I'm calling it. Uh, you know, don't be a hero. Stay inside. Watch a movie. Okay, the second that I stopped recording, I just remembered that I didn't rate the movie on a scale of one to five hazmats, uh, and this is not the first time that I've done that, but uh, I'm actually going to catch myself this time, and I'm going to uh, go back and fix it. So, but I'm not going to go back and edit it, because it's too much work. Uh, the My rating for this movie, uh, scale of one to five, I'm going to give it a four and a half. It is not a perfect movie. I don't know why, but it doesn't hit that five it just doesn't hit that five star threshold for me uh whether it's the comedy or you know i think you know it, it's definitely cheesy at certain points uh but but that's okay because you know it's a fun filled everybody can love this movie kind of movie uh like i said before there's not as many movies in the world as universally loved as ferris bueller's day off and I, what i love is that like this like no franchise came out of it like there was no no sequels no spin-offs no this no that no no whatever it's like it's just this one movie and they nailed it and they never touched it again don't ruin this character uh so that's all i have to say about that four out of five hazmats uh now don't be a hero. Stay inside. Watch a movie.